If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. We are going to do everything that we can to end this outbreak. Monkeypox on the rise. How the black community is trying to stay ahead. Then... I won't smoke nothing if it ain't on Newport. You can see crime rates go through the roof. This will be worse than a crack epidemic. The menthol cigarette ban and the debate from both sides. Black people are dying disproportionately from menthol and that menthol is uniquely damaging. Plus, my very first red carpet, I was about five or six. Yeah, I was standing on like soap boxes. Man, that's amazing. More of my A-list memories with Jamie Foxx as his latest gig puts him on the day shift. And we get the latest in the Brittany Griner case. Is a proposed prisoner switch a real possibility? We explain as we go black all over the world. All that and more as the Black News Revolution starts right now. My flashback with Jamie Foxx as I sit with the Oscar winner who's shifting to the day shift. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Kennedy Rue. And I'm special correspondent Rochelle Ritchie. Definitely looking forward to that conversation, Kennedy. But first, we begin with the outbreak of monkeypox. The virus has been declared a public health emergency as we're still battling COVID-19 concerns. So we are getting to the facts and fiction behind monkeypox in tonight's top story. The U.S. declaring a public health emergency over the monkeypox outbreak across the country. We are going to do everything that we can uh, to end this outbreak. That is our commitment. Since the outbreak began in May, the United States has recorded over 7,000 cases, more than any other country in the world, prompting the emergency declaration by the Biden administration to make more vaccines available. We have made more than 1.1 million doses available and shipped more than 600,000. The virus, which causes painful lesions, can last two to four weeks and is passed primarily through prolonged skin-to-skin contact, unlike COVID, which can be passed through the air. To date, infections have been concentrated amongst gay and bisexual men. One of the things we could do is alert men who have sex with men to be careful with your sexual activities and be on the lookout for people who might have these lesions on their body that might lead to spread to you and be prudent in your sexual connections and your sexual networks. However, medical experts say monkeypox is not a sexually transmitted disease, nor is it exclusive to the gay community. Doctors say it's important that we don't repeat the mistakes made during the onset of the HIV crisis in the 1980s when gay men were ostracized. I believe that a lot of the hysteria, because I do think there's a lot of hysteria surrounding uh, monkeypox right now, is because, one, it causes cosmetic um, signs that nobody wants. And then because of the fact that it's automatically being stigmatized um, within a marginal, an already marginalized community, I think that's what is bringing a lot of, like I said, the hysteria around it. I just want to just, just make sure that we kind of can get out there more that to, to, to kind of empower people to not say that this is a gay disease. To help quell fears and others who may have been infected, Larry Jackson is sharing his story about contracting monkeypox. Over 50 people reached out to me, told, telling me that they have it. Um, 
and or had it and they just are asking me how am I helping how am I coping with it and they're um, happy that I'm I'm positive in it and that I'm keeping my faith because while they are scared and while people um, are really really scared of this thing um, I'm maintaining positivity Monkeypox was first discovered in Central Africa in 1958, and a 2017 outbreak in Nigeria is thought to have been the source of this current outbreak before it spread rapidly in the United Kingdom, Europe, and the United States. As a result, some media outlets have portrayed the virus as African by using outdated images of black skin, while other reporters such as Nigerian journalist Mercia Bang and Washington Post columnist Karen Atia have called attention to the biased reporting. The danger of stigmatizing gay and African communities is significant enough that the United Nations released a statement expressing concern that some language and imagery in the press might reinforce homophobic and racist stereotypes. What is important to know and what is helpful to the conversation is to understand exactly what this virus is, what the disease looks like, and um, how to prevent spreading it. Because at this point, we're all susceptible to, be, to, to getting it. Doctors say that as the virus continues to spread, the public should know that monkeypox rarely causes death and has a low infection rate. And with good hygiene and vigilance, we can prevent further spread. If you have symptoms that make you think that you could potentially have monkeypox, you should see your doctor or see a doctor right away and then avoid close contact with others until you know whether or not you um, have uh, tested positive or, or not. Joining me for more about the rise in monkeypox cases and how it impacts the black community are Dr. Bernard Ashby and political commentator Craig Long. Dr. Ashby, I want to start with you. Should the black community as a whole be worried or concerned? Well, as, as a whole, the, the, the risk of getting the monkeypox virus is very low. But if you're from uh, the uh, community, uh, uh, the LGBT community, particularly if you're a man who has sex with men, you are particularly high risk. And therefore, if you're from that subsegment, I do agree that you should be on high alert and you should be seeking out vaccination as soon as possible. And, and also being aware of what resources are available to you. We know that the White House has now declared monkeypox a public health emergency, Craig. Should they be doing more? There's always more that they can do. Uh, I think Dr. Bernard, he hit it on the nail, uh, getting the resources that they need to be able to get the help to the people that need the help. M my thing is, I'm, I'm wondering when the White House and when everybody's going to start talking about the elephant in the room, um, all the data, everything is pointing towards one particular group of people that are being affected the most by this monkeypox um, virus. Uh, as we know, it seems that people are afraid to really talk about how we really can, you know, help the, the people that are at risk the most with it. All studies, if we look at the New England uh, Journal of Medicine, everything points to 98 percent of it being gay and bisexual men, in which 41% of them have HIV. The question in the room is, why isn't anybody talking about it? Maybe because they don't want to stigmatize one group of people. Dr. Ashby, you know, listening to what Craig is saying, obviously there has there's been many reports about where the virus is sort of uh, lingering right now as far as, you know, specific communities. But is there some truth to what Craig is saying as far as the fact that people don't want to talk about it for that reason? Well, I was actually impressed that Craig knew the, knew the data, and he is actually correct with, with regards to the population being affected. And the way I would frame it, 
is to look at the public health uh, impact and the, your individual risk. As far as public health is concerned, what you're trying to do is to contain the spread as much as possible, prevent it from going out into the wider population. So as Craig alluded to, 98% of these, the, the cases that we see in the US have been in men, men who have sex with men. And, and that's due to the efficient transmission uh, due to the type of sex that they have. And unfortunately, uh, what we're seeing is that uh, that particular group, because of, of the stigma related to HIV and obvious, obvious reasons within the community, uh, there's been a lot of back and forth with the public health officials on how to uh, discuss this. Now, Craig also mentioned that everyone is at risk, but there's a certain population that's currently at risk where the transmission is the highest. And so if you're looking at this from a public health standpoint, you want to deploy resources to those groups so that you can contain the spread to prevent the, the outbreak into the wider population, particularly in the children. What would be the resources, though? Is it simply a vaccine or is it gloves? Is it condoms? What is it? All of the above. So public health messaging in terms of uh, preventing risk, so uh, identifying uh, who's at high risk. If you're if you're a man having sex with man, a man, you want to make sure that your partner doesn't have any skin lesions and use protection, certainly. But also, if you're exposed to anyone, you want to go and get vaccinated ASAP, but you, you shouldn't wait. I mean, I, I personally think that if you're part of this population, you should be eligible for the vaccine right now. In addition to that, there is an antiviral medication called TPOX that is quite effective, and unfortunately, it's hard to get, even though the, the supply is, is there, it's just deploying the, that, that supply is difficult due to all the paperwork. So essentially, what we're lacking is a comprehensive, coordinated public health strategy that could contain this. And we're still in the early phases of the monkeypox outbreak where we can't contain it. But again, the, our public health officials are dragging their feet on this. Craig, do you think the rest of the community should be afraid of this? I mean, we know that viruses do not discriminate, right? So even though one community may be impacted over the other, doesn't mean that all of us are not at risk. So let me get your response to that. One thing that they can do, the same way that they did with COVID, where at the beginning they said, we need to just uh, lock down for 14 days to slow. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spread. Well, my suggestion is maybe the, the community the LGB community, the people that it's affecting the most right now, if they can take on the torch and be the forerunners of maybe they can lock themselves down for 14 days and maybe that could help overall the society of stopping the spread until more resources and things could be available to them. Yeah, well, I think we got to be a little bit careful trying to, you know, tell one community of people to lock themselves in, in quarantine when they're not actually infected. So, Craig and Dr. Ashby, I want to thank both of you for joining us. Coming up, the debate about the move to ban menthol cigarettes as the old school of flavored smoking comes under fire. There's more Revolt Black News Weekly when we come back from the break. Today might mark the beginning of the end of menthol cigarettes in this country, because just in the last couple of minutes, the FDA is announcing it's working on a proposal to ban them within the next year, along with all flavored cigars. Welcome back. That was the news that has many black Americans who smoke menthol cigarettes up in arms. So will this ban be more helpful or harmful? We get into it from both sides. From my side of things, 
uh, menthol ban has been a long time coming. It's the only flavor that's legally allowed in cigarettes. And it's because it uh, impacts black people the most and we die disproportionately from it. Bans and prohibitions do not work. When you create a ban on something, number one, it's gonna make it more attractive to people. Uh, number two, it's gonna create an underground economy. Dueling voices in the hotly contested issue of the FDA's proposed ban on menthol cigarettes. There may be no stronger brand loyalty in North Philadelphia than the one folks feel for Newport menthol cigarettes. If you couldn't smoke Newports, what would you smoke? Nothing. I'll jump in the river, man. Since the 1950s, the tobacco industry has heavily marketed menthols to black smokers in glossy, aspirational magazines, billboard ads, and through sponsorship at jazz and blues music festivals. Menthols are cheaper in black neighborhoods. We have more price discounts in black neighborhoods. We have these uh, bands, like my film shows, that would ride up to uh, Chicago and New York and New Orleans, densely popped black neighborhoods, and hand out cigarettes for free because they know Black people would smoke them and then later get addicted and then buy them. The tactics worked. Of adult smokers, 85% of black people smoke menthols, compared to just 26.4% of white people. I won't smoke nothing if it ain't on Newport. So if Newport go out, I won't be smoking. There's been information from the government, research, stats, everything since the 90s that really show that black people are dying disproportionately from menthol and that menthol is uniquely damaging. It's harder to quit, easier to pick up. A lot of money is at stake. With 18 and a half million menthol smokers in the United States, the yearly market value is estimated at over $6 billion. According to former law enforcement officer and criminal justice expert Giles Shipp, a lucrative black market could rise in its absence. So what you're going to see is more bloodshed on the streets. You're going to see more calls for police uh, activities. And unfortunately, majority of those activities will be driven and directed towards the African-American community because this is where these cigarettes are going to be sold. But the people are going to find a way to get their menthol cigarettes. If it comes illegal or whatever, they're going to find a way to go get their cigarettes. However, some say those are just scare tactics and the law will not criminalize the individual. Countries like Britain and Canada have successfully banned menthols, leading to more smokers quitting with no significant rise in crime. This is a debate that is far from settled. I don't think it is something that's going to happen by the end of the year or even next year, honestly. I think it's going to be a long, drawn-out legal battle, and the tobacco industry has billions to use uh, on their lawyers, on their politicians, on their talking heads to try to uh, avoid public health measures. Here to join me for more on the FDA's proposed ban on menthol cigarettes are New York State Police Senior Investigator Elliot Boyce, who is joining us from his car after returning from an investigation, and Director of Diversity and Engagement for the Indiana Republican Party, Whitley Yates. Thank you both for joining us. Elliot, I want to start with you. Why do you think this ban matters so much to black people? I believe it matters uh, so much because a ban on menthol cigarettes or a ban on any product basically makes it contraband. And what people don't realize is anything you make contraband is going to be enforced by law enforcement. So what FDA says there's no law enforcement component, naturally, uh, once it becomes contraband as far as a cigarette, we will be required to enforce it around the country. So it makes it dangerous. So do you think this is something that we could start seeing sold on the streets illegally? 
Yes. And like for major cities like New York City, 65 percent of the cigarettes currently sold, menthol cigarettes sold, are illegal. They're imported from China, which means urban communities are going to be ones impacted by it the most because they're sold only or not so, so much so only in urban communities, but smoked by 85 percent. African-American and Latino members. Yeah, and what's also interesting about that is that the CDC says that cigarettes are actually cheaper uh, in black neighborhoods. Whitley, let me bring you into the conversation. While some states have started this ban already, how would a national menthol ban uh, really cause more harm uh, to the black community? I mean, to be honest, a lot of times people utilize cigarettes and nicotine as a coping mechanism to cope with the ills of the world. And so instead of addressing some of the root causes that lead to crime and poverty and all of these other attributing factors, which would lend one to become addicted or to begin smoking, instead of addressing them, creating a ban like this is almost kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a much larger issue. And so I know the FDA was supposed to be focused on some equity initiatives uh, for the American people. And I don't think that this is one of them that they're going to be able to be proud of because I think that it disproportionately impacts people in communities of color when they could be focusing on larger policies that would benefit and impact these specific communities. Yeah, and in 2009, the, uh, there was actually a ban on flavored cigarettes and then there was a split with the Congressional Black Caucus that's, that allowed menthol cigarettes to kind of slip through the cracks with that. So it's kind of interesting to see that something that is pretty detrimental in regards to health is actually being supported by uh, members of Congress. Now, the FDA is, you know, more than ever now proposing this ban. Why do you think they're so aggressive now as opposed to being as aggressive in 2009? I think that this specific administration is looking for a win. They're looking for something that they can connect to say that they have impacted or changed the lives of communities of color and people of color. And I think that they look at this as a quick and easy win, not really understanding the totality because from the same administration that pushes this idea that you have a choice to choose what goes in and what comes out of your body, then saying that we're going to ban these types of things is kind of hypocritical. And so they're looking for a way to make inroads and to win in communities of color. And instead of producing policy that we've asked for, instead of doing things like maybe providing formula for our children, uh, since we have a formula shortage, they're trying to look for these other ways and other policies to create a win prior to November. Elliot, this potential decision could take a few years, obviously, to happen. But what are some of the implications that, that could come after the ban of menthol cigarettes? After the ban of menthol cigarettes, if that was to go through, what's going to happen is we would go from a health model to a criminal model. So instead of basically education, treatment, and counseling, and which people will be better for, and which has showed over the years that reduction of people smoking, particularly teen smoking, has worked, now you're going to a model where basically law enforcement officers will basically be forced to do something when they find people in possession of these items. And what the FDA is not taking into account is Though their ban is only on the production, every state and every city on the books have criminal laws that deal with smuggling and things that are called contraband, which cigarettes will fall under. So, like, for example, one city said, we're only going to have the health department deal with it. Well, the health department can deal with it, but it's still going to be contraband, which if that city says, as our police agency will not deal with it, you can't control state and federal agencies, their investigations. And in many big cities, what we found was RICO uh, statutes fell in play. And a lot of young African-American males and women went to jail for extremely long times.
Yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, something that is supposed to possibly help the health of black Americans could actually turn around and criminalize them even more. Elliot and Whitley, thank you so much for joining us here on Revolt Black News Weekly. Moving on to the legal headlines that we're following, including R. Kelly's money woes behind bars. It's all in our gavel to gavel coverage of who's caught in the system. As R. Kelly stands trial for additional federal charges for sex abuse of minors in Chicago, a report shows that he hasn't paid any court fees for his New York City case. Federal prosecutors allege the singer funneled millions of dollars from music royalties through a childhood friend right before his sex trafficking conviction. R. Kelly is serving a 30-year prison sentence after being found guilty of sex trafficking charges. A restitution hearing is scheduled next month, and the judge will decide how much the former star will have to pay to the... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Victims of his crimes. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Shifting gears to Brunswick, Georgia, where the father and son convicted of killing Ahmaud Arbery were both given an additional sentence of life in prison on federal hate crime charges. A judge required Travis and Greg McMichael, along with William Roddy Bryan, to serve their sentences in state prison, not federal prison, which had been requested by their attorneys. The news comes as court documents reveal Travis McMichael is receiving death threats from other inmates. His lawyers state he fears for his safety. Arbery's mother, Wanda Cooper-Jones, has urged the judge not to accept the plea. And in South L.A., 37-year-old Nicole Lorraine Linton has been charged with murder for a deadly crash that took the lives of five people and an unborn infant. While the crash remains under investigation, Linton has been charged with six counts of murder and five counts of vehicular manslaughter with gross negligence. Witnesses allege that Linton was driving at nearly 100 miles per hour before the fatal crash. She faces 90 years in prison if convicted. All right, keep it right here. There's much more Revolt Black News Weekly right after the break. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Kennedy Rue with the Entertainment Remix. Hello, Monday. I'm not gonna stop limits. You know, always just be prepared because you never know what can happen. Mondays will never be the same as everything is fair game on the new seasons of VH1's Love and Hip Hop Atlanta and Miami. And by the way, co-star Sierra Gates hears the ATL critiques. Much as people talk bad about Love & Hip Hop, even though they say, oh, it's so messy, this is this, but I really feel like people look at it because they want, they like to relate. This is so crazy. Wow. Yeah, my very first red carpet. Yes. And flashback Fox. Yeah, I took my play uncle, Jamie Foxx, and his Netflix Day Shift co-star, Dave Franco, back in time. I was about five or six. Oh, wow. That was kid correspondent Kennedy with the superstar many years ago. I'm doing good, Kennedy. How you doing? Little did the day shift star know, he changed my life. I was standing on like soap boxes because oh, yeah. I couldn't even. <laughs> but it meant the world to me that you came up immediately. Wow. 
and I felt like you saw it in me before yeah, I even man. saw it in myself. So amazing. I really appreciate that. This doing that interview work. at that age. Yeah. Like, was it then that you were like, I want to keep doing this? It was after that exact experience that I was wow. like, this is what I want to do. I feel like that's what I was, what God blessed me with in the position that I'm in and be able to give back. Atlanta native 21 Savage invited Revolt TV to his seventh annual It's a Back to School Drive, the Grammy-winning rapper delivering hundreds of families' much-needed school supplies. I was a series regular on a hit show. And then you sat your ass down, right? I don't have time to audition right now. I'm busy. Insecure alumni Jean Ellie's new dramedy, Send Help, is now streaming on AMC's black streaming service, All Black. The series tells the story of an actor's career struggle in a family tragedy. Talk to me about how this has mirrored your own experience. Um, well, I did lose my older brother um, a year prior to me moving out to LA. Losing that support system is very tough for me. And August 11th marks one year till hip-hop celebrates its 50th anniversary. A young Jamaican-born New Yorker known as DJ Coolheart threw a party in the South Bronx. With a pair of turntables, he improvised a technique that isolated and re repeated musical breaks and repeated musical breaks. That technique would lay the foundation for a genre known as hip-hop. We have some of the biggest names in finance giving us the game, and we're giving it to you right here on Revolt. Tyler Perry and Steve Harvey among the entertainers, investors, and entrepreneurs from around the world in Atlanta for InvestFest 2022. There's a lot of Angela Yee's that are trying to follow in your footsteps. What would be your advice for those young women? I would say that there's really not a shortcut. You have to work hard. Make sure that you're on time. Make sure that you have a good, positive attitude, or there's no reason for you to be there. And the queen of hip-hop, Nicki Minaj, will accept MTV's Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award at the VMAs. Nicki set to perform for the first time in four years when the awards air Sunday, August 28th. Murder. Where you at? Yeah. Oh, there she go. We need to rehearse this. <sighs> Is this the pimp that run this place? And it's Megan the Stallion like we've never seen before. The Houston native continuing her impressive side hustle, appearing on Stars P Valley as her alter ego rapper, Tina Snow. Mm, I can't wait for you to come hit the stage down in Houston because you know everything gets bigger down in Texas. Is that right? Mm hmm. Ready to get on this boat? That's what we're doing. Switching to our global headlines, beginning with Brittany Griner and the possibility of a prisoner swap to bring her home from Russia. Her fight for freedom is what kicks off black all over the world. You know, when we saw Brittany, uh, I think it was Tuesday, and we saw, uh, and we told her, see you on Thursday, and she said, see you on doomsday. So looks like she was right. First stop, Russia. We update you on the latest with Brittany Griner after she was sentenced to nine and a half years and fined one million Russian rubles. Many are now wondering what's next. President Biden's national security team and the entire American government remain committed to bringing Ms. Griner home safely to her family, friends, and loved ones. 
BG is currently in pretrial detention and will be moved, but her legal team now has options to either appeal the decision or ask for Griner to be pardoned by Russian President Vladimir Putin. She can hardly talk, honestly, so it's a difficult time for her. After being given the nine-year sentence, overwhelming support continues to build. The Biden administration is working to get Griner home. Meanwhile, activists and Reverend Al Sharpton, as well as members of the WNBA, continue to demand her release. This is not some random Jane off the street. It's not anything we're politicizing. It's a human being, and this is our real-life friend. We're working on this literally every day. I don't want to go into the details of the proposal, but we did make a serious proposal to the Russians. There is now talk of a potential dual prisoner swap between Russia, hopefully securing the release of Greiner and another American, Paul Whelan. Uh, this impossible situation, and she showed great strength and great humility, and um, we just we just want her home. Next up, we land in Kenya. As polls are closing across the country, election results are rolling in for the next president. While it is currently too close to call, some are worried about election violence. 22 million Kenyan citizens are registered to vote, but young voters fed up with the current state of politics are choosing not to vote. They might use different methods or avenues, but a lot of them mean we need a lot of money. So a lot of youth are concerned about where you're going to get those resources. Propaganda is a, is a budget item when it comes to politics. You have to have budget. As Ryla Odinga has embarked on his last run, he was reportedly mobbed by supporters as he went to place his vote in Nairobi's capital. While Deputy President William Ruto is a familiar face, he is pleading with his fellow Kenyans to remain peaceful regardless of the results. Be a peacemaker. It is the qualification to become a son and a daughter of God. In Kenya, there is a seven-day window to declare a winner. Results will be announced on August 16th, and whoever is elected will begin focusing on Kenya's soaring food prices, fuel, and debt. No. Next up, we return to the United States where the border crisis continues as Haitian and Cuban migrants are being taken into custody as they reach the coast of Florida. Once that boat ran aground, about 109 people jumped off the boat and swam to shore. As migrants land on shore, they are being transferred from the ground to U.S. Coastal Guard ships. We are working to keep them safe, clean, fed, and healthy and identify exactly who they are and what they may or may not have brought with them. This year, 40,000 Haitians have attempted to cross the border. Just this past week, Border Control took 372 migrants into custody. They are now being processed and medically screened. They will not face any charges. Stay with us. There's more Revolt Black News Weekly straight ahead. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We are finally going to get our trust done. We've been talking about it for a very long time. And that you're able to have financial wealth throughout your whole life. Welcome. 
Welcome back. That is Atlanta housewife Candy Burris and her husband Todd discussing money matters and financial health, especially when it comes to Gen Z and planning ahead. So how prepared is the next generation? Let's get into it. Here with us today, certified public accountant Crystal Todd, attorney India Ali, who was at InvestFest, and CEO of the Black Upstart, Kezia Williams. India, thank you so much for joining us here in studio. I do want to start this conversation with you first. Why do you think it is so difficult for families to start talking about estate planning and life insurance? Nobody likes to talk about death for whatever reason. It's the only thing guaranteed in life, but it's a difficult conversation to broach. And when is the time to have that conversation. Generally, when families are together, it's joyous occasions like holidays or events, and nobody wants to have that conversation during those times. It could be very sobering. We avoid difficult conversations. I'm not sure why. Well, we're recycling terrible financial advice from generation to generation, right? So money talk has been programmed as negative from the start. Money doesn't grow on trees. Do you have McDonald's money? And things like that already condition you to believe that you know, money is bad or it's hard to get. And we don't talk about these important things. A lot of times, maybe your parents would think it's grown folk business. If you ask about money or finances or what do you make, we get nervous. It's been a conditioning. And because we've been conditioned to do so, when money talks do come up, people get a little nervous. They think, are you pocket watching? I mean, what are you going to do once you understand these, you know, about my money? Like, you know, so I think because of that, it's a little bit awkward for families to just be open about it because maybe they don't want to open the door to more questions, criticism, and maybe they don't even know what to actually teach because we've been taught, like I said, things that don't necessarily make sense in this day and age. Yeah, and you know, what's crazy about that is when the families don't prepare, Kizia, then you have the GoFundMe pages that, that we see set up. So how does the lack of estate planning really impact building generational wealth in black communities? Well, first, I'd like to say capitalism is a team sport. And any people who are trying to grow a community and a capitalist economy without capital are going to remain economically weak. Black people's wealth position is approximately $24,000. That is our median household net worth compared to the median white household net worth of about $188 thousand dollars. That is a stark contrast. So for the wealth that we do have, for the net worth and assets that we do have, we need to develop a plan to to protect that. Because if the asset if the those assets have to be decided by the court system, we could lose anywhere between eight to twelve percent of that. And so with the state planning, that allows for us to have intentional conversations about generational wealth planning so that the generations coming after us don't have to pay the black tax which means that we're paying for grandma's groceries, we're paying for our little brother's soccer shoes, maybe we're paying for mama's light bill. No, we can actually leave something that is an asset and not a bill. And, you know, when you think about estate planning, I mean, you think about DMX, Prince, Chadwick Boseman, these are people that died uh, without a will. So how does that, India, really affect the everyday family uh, in America right now? I would say it affects the everyday family the exact same way. You see Chadwick Boseman's estate was held up in probate court for two years. Prince's estate was held up in probate court for six years. DMX's estate is still, you know, going through that process, and none of them had a will. The conversation we're trying to bring to the table is to not have a will, but to have a trust. That's what's key. The, what's, the, what's the difference okay. between the two? Just okay. so we have an understanding. Understood. So a will... Trust, both are legal documents, both past assets. However, when you have a will, it has to go through the probate court process. Mm -hmm. Probate takes a long time. 
and it costs money. You're gonna have to pay a probate attorney. They normally charge hourly. Imagine your estate is held up for two years, and now with COVID and everything, the probate court process is backed up anyway. So you're paying a probate attorney hourly for maybe some years for your assets to pass to your, your heirs or your beneficiaries, whoever you list in your will, right? However, the thing about a will is, once those assets pass to the next person, they own it. We know that 70% of wealth is blown in the first generation. 90% of wealth is blown in the second generation. So we're not keeping any of the assets, any of the money, we're blowing it, we don't have a plan. So a will is not the right plan, actually. When you have a trust while you're alive, healthy, you make that plan, you turn all your assets and you transfer it out of your personal name into the name of your trust, upon your death, there's no need to go to probate court at all. Your trust then owns your assets. With your trust, you have trust instructions that say, this is what I want to happen to my assets. Therefore, you can make a plan for the next 100 years if you want to. And that's really great information. Um, how important is it for people to understand the difference as far as how India just explained it? It's extremely important because depending on your tax bracket, certain things may work for you, certain things may not. For example, if you are a higher income earner, you can do what is called a gift tax and you can give up to $15,000 per person of your wealth tax-free. So having an understanding of these really important financial terms will have you better positioned for, for what you can do with your money. But another issue that we're having is, um, as India mentioned, we have what, we call, what I like to call reverse uh, generational wealth, where we can't even get to the will or the trust part because we don't even have that money, right? So we're taking care of our parents, we're taking care of our, our, our grandparents, our uncles and aunts because they cannot take care of themselves. Plus, as Gen Z and millennials, we are, we're becoming parents as well. So we're taking care of two different generations with one income, and that's very problematic. Kizia, what is the most you know, misconception about estate planning? I think that people generally focus the conversation just on their financial assets, and that's important. We need to have that conversation just like both of these queens have said. But then also there are other legal documentations that we should consider, um, like the durable power of attorney. So who is going to make financial decisions in the event that you cannot while you're still alive? What about the health care power of attorney? What if you have to be intubated? We're still weathering the pandemic. I mean, we're getting through it. You know, we're bossing up. But if you have to be intubated, if you have to be unexpectedly hospitalized, you don't want the court making decisions about your health care if you're unable to. You know your family better than a judge, better than the judicial system. When Nipsey Hussle passed without a will, he had custody of one of his children, his oldest daughter. And when he passed, the courts had to make a decision along with one of his family members on whether the mother was going to retain custody custody of the child or whether it was going to be his sister who had custody right after he passed. Let's start talking about that legal documentation as well that is separate and apart than just the financial assets. Yeah, I think it's a reality for a lot of Black Americans, again, you know, post-COVID. So, India, Kizia, Crystal, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Revolt Black News Weekly. Now, when we come back, we reveal our Revolutionary of the Week. Before we go, we are shining some light on a father-daughter duo who are turning up the YouTube game and being true ambassadors when it comes to diversity. Nine-year-old musical artist Gracie Hollingsworth is a viral sensation. Her YouTube channel promotes education and an outlet for black creators. Her story is what makes her our revolutionary of the week. Give it up for the Hollingsworth family.
Lucy's story began by doing what many kids enjoy at her age, watching educational videos on YouTube. Except she noticed a trend, not enough diversity. There was this one moment I remember uh, walking in on my daughter crying to my wife uh, once, and it was an issue related to how her hair looked. And, you know, from that moment, we realized, like, okay, it's important for us to make sure that she realized that her hair, just the way it is, is beautiful. That's when she and her father decided to take matters into their own hands, especially when it comes to representing black American young people. In our case, uh, we were focusing on education uh, at the same time in increasing diversity um, because most children uh, uh, cartoons, we have about 5.6% that are children of color. So this was something that really was needed. So that was our main focus. Yeah. Come on, class. And with each new lesson, song, and dance came a new viewer subscribing to their channel, making it a hit. Just last month, the channel pulled in 77 million views. Here I am, here I am, how do you do? Not only do the show's catchy songs attract young minds and families alike, the program comes with educational tools to help represent the next generation of black scholars. And the Hollingsworth family says they're just getting started, routinely working with educators and building the tools that make learning fun for everyone. Well, that makes me feel very appreciated for all the people that have been giving us the followers and all the likes yeah. and all the support. Absolutely love what Gracie's Corner is doing for kids in our community. Yes, job well done, Gracie. That's all for us. We'll see you next time. Bye. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.